All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. As we continue to look at the, to think about the attributes of God. And when we talk about His attributes, I think we can put it in the practical terms as who God is and what He can do. So who God is, is His being and His nature, His character. And then we can speak about what He does, the abilities that He has. And those two areas are what are involved in talking about His attributes. And we've been noticing His attributes with the book of Romans, particularly chapter 1. And I want to continue talking about that, of where we left off. For we have seen, based on chapter 1, Paul mentions some of these attributes that Paul says are seen in the creation, particularly in verse 20. He says, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, so that they are without excuse. And so we talked about how God is eternal the eternal creator, and that's part of his nature. And he's all powerful. And that's a, an attribute of ability that God uh, has unlimited power and the created world and the universe is, a, is just a... Actually, Job says it's a small glimpse of God's power. But we can just see the power it took to make the universe... And so that's an attribute of ability. And then we talked about, then we saw that Paul mentioned in verse 23 uh, that God is incorruptible. Uh, after he mentions his glory, which we talked about that, that's a part of his nature. But we saw that God is incorruptible, that he is holy and righteous. And then in the Following chapters in Romans, Paul, in talking about God's great plan of salvation, brings out that the basis of all that is God's love. And so we talked about God's character is holiness and love. And I want to talk more about that today. And I think it's helpful to talk about it is God's character. God has attributes of ability and then there's elements of his nature, that he's a trinity, that he's eternal. Then with God's holiness and love, I think it is a, it's about God's character. God's character qualities, he has two main character qualities of holiness and love. And what I want to talk about today is that these two are linked together Every time. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have God's holiness without His love. And God is, because God is holy, that means He's going to be loving. And because God is loving, that means He's going to be holy. You can't have one without the other. They are inseparably linked together. And I say that because that there is, much false belief in the world, both in the world and even in the church today, uh, 
that try to separate those two or try to take one without the other? Primarily, you know the answer is, they try to just focus on that God is love and say God is loving. And they even twist it to the point that they say because God's loving, then they begin to say things that deny His holiness and re reject His holiness. Such as, well, if there really is, a, if God is really loving, then He won't send anybody to hell. And that is a, what they're doing there is they're just wanting a God of love, but they don't want a God of holiness and righteousness. And they, they'll say, well, God is love. That means everyone accepts all people. God loves all people, and God wants to save all people, and can save all people, and change all people. But then they'll say, well, because God is loving, that means that He accepts homosexuals. And homosexuality, then, is not a sin, because, you know, in their twisted thinking, they'll say, well, this person is homosexual. They were born that way in their wrong thinking. They say, therefore, God's going to conform to that, and God has to be accepting of that. And God is, since He's love. That's the theology you'll hear today. It's very common, and it is very prominent in our world, in our country, and people who, and in churches. This is what's getting accepted in churches, is that God is love, and so we should accept all of this. And they are actually denying the God of the Bible in doing that, but they claim they're Christians, and they'll be a, say they're a church, this is why doctrine is important. This is why the truth about God is important. Because God will not conform to us. We must surrender to Him. God will not change who He is for His creation. And that's how the world's operating. Oh, well, God's going to change, you know. Well, back in the olden days, yeah, they didn't accept this. But today... It's accepted, and we're going to accept it, and God has to accept it. God doesn't change, and he doesn't, ex he doesn't change to fit His creation, but we are to surrender and to conform to who He is. <clears throat> That's why we need to know who God is. We need to know uh, who He is and what He does, and we need to know His character because that is the foundation of all of life. So, God is holy and God is loving and they exist in perfect harmony together. <clears throat> let's take those two examples and let's think biblically through them. God is loving. And because of that, there is hell. God created hell. He made it for the devil and his angels. <clears throat> originally and if God were not loving there would not be a hell but because God is love there is a hell and hell is about God's holiness judging sin and the reason it's there and the reason it's good that it's there is because out of love God is protecting his creation and his universe. If there wasn't a place to put sin, 
in the end, then sin would continue to contaminate and corrupt and to destroy life forever. We look at all the destruction and corruption in the world today, and it grieves us, it frustrates us. And what's the only hope in that? The hope is that one day it's going to be removed. One day it's going to be over. That there's going to be a solution. It's going to get, this world's going to get cleaned up. Hell is the way that a loving God is going to deal with sin forever. To remove it from His creation. If God didn't do that, God would, God would be allowing sin to afflict His creation forever. So it's out of God's love for His creation that we have a future we can look forward to and a future that's going to make everything be eternal. And that means there has to be a hell where sin and all sinful beings are put. It's a way of God loving. It's an aspect of His love. It's an aspect of His holiness for sure. It's also an aspect of His love. The two are inseparably linked. You can't have one without the other. God is acting in perfect harmony with His being every and everything He does. And so hell is an expression of God's holiness, but hell is also an expression of God's love. So that when we get into eternity, we don't have to worry about that sin's going to ruin our lives again. We don't have to worry about that. We can have peace and, and assurance that we're going to have eternal life forever and there's going to be a perfect uh, life forever. And God has assured that because of His love. And that's what hell's purpose is. It's to remove sin from His creation fully and finally one day so that life can exist in perfection and in purity and in eternity forever. And if there wasn't a hell that would not ever happen. It would always be with us. And so hell is actually an expression of God's love. And so I guess the point I really want to stress today is, is, that, is that we need to always be confident in God's character and His character qualities of, that God is always acting out of holiness and righteousness and He's always acting out of love in everything He does. And we can... Trust that. Even if we don't understand something, even if something's difficult, and the reality is, hell is something difficult. I mean, if you're saved, you're glad you're not going there. But when you begin to grapple with the reality of hell for somebody else, especially if it's somebody you love, it's tough. And it's not easily accepted. And that's where we have to come and just trust God. That He knows what is best. And in the end, we can even see how it's best, uh, but it's still difficult. You know, we, we see the justification of hell for person like Hitler and probably not many people are grieving of the fact that Hitler is there even though with God's heart we need to grieve over anybody going to hell but when you begin to think about 
somebody you know, somebody you're close to, family member, probably everybody has family members that you know are lost, and you talk about somebody dying and going to hell forever and never being able to get out, and you say, man, how, how could God do that? Why does that have to be that way? God does that out of love. He does it out of love for everyone else and for all these universe. And the reality is, if there wasn't a hell, sin would corrupt his creation forever. But God has to remove it out of love for us. And so we trust God's holiness and we trust his love in every area of life because that's who God is. We mentioned that verse last time, 1 John, God is love. God's the definition of love. He's the one that defines it. And so we just trust that everything that God has set up and everything God has decided is loving. And everything God has set up and everything God has decided is right, it's holy, and it's just. Because that's who God is. And that, with that knowledge of who God is, then we can deal with the issues of life that we don't understand or we can't handle fully that overwhelm us. We trust who God is, what He is, who He is, what He does, and that His character is. He's perfectly holy and righteous and He's perfectly loving in all that He does. Let's apply it to that second situation and we can, we can understand it more in, in that arena, but that can help us to then apply it to other arenas that we struggle more with. But uh, the, uh, the issue of homosexuality and, and the sin of homosexuality, we, we as Christians can look at that and we say, yes, well, uh, we are standing against this and we will try to talk someone away from that when we have the opportunity and when we need to do that out of love. We do it out of love. That's our proper motivation, out of love. Is it wrong? Yes, it's wrong. It's against God's plans. We do that out of love. We know that that is harmful to that person and we're motivated by love. Think about it, though. That person who is affirming that and pursuing that, they claim that they're doing that because of love. Both are claiming love. The motivation of love. But this is our true motivation, is we stand against this out of love for that person that they are really harming themselves by pursuing that sin. And there you see an example, again, of how God's two qualities, character qualities, holiness and love, work together inseparately. You cannot separate the two. They are joined together in how God conducts Himself. And we are called to follow what God does, and therefore we are to conduct ourselves in the same way when we deal with other people with sin issues. 
and this being one example, is we are to deal with them from the perspective of this is God's holiness and God's love, and we'll be demotivated by both. The problem comes in, in our, on our end, when we only come from perspective of one of those, or we're out of even balance. There must be a perfect balance between holiness and love. God's perfectly balanced, that's why He's perfect. We must be seek, seek to be perfectly balanced to approach a situation right. That means we're going to approach it from what is right and wrong, and we're also going to approach it from love. That's who God is. That's what we are to follow. That's how we're to deal with these issues, and that's how we deal with homosexuality. We say it's wrong because that's, this is not how God designed the creation. This is not how God said we're to operate and conduct ourselves. And that's out of love. God says that. Why? Does he just want to say something that that's the way it is? No, because that's what's best. That's what's loving. That's way, what's best for the creation. If they pursued homosexuality, they'd never have children. Pursuing it God's way, we have the blessing of family. We have the blessing of life being preserved through each generation. God's ways are always best because God is perfectly holy and God is perfectly loving. Everything He does has both of those components to it. And so I want to stress how both of these are God. And you cannot have one without the other. If you only go with love, you will lose then what is right. And if we are overbalanced on just, well, this is right and we lose love, we've lost dealing with it the way God does. We have to have both. And this is the greatness of God, that He is perfectly holy, He's perfectly loving. This was what makes Him God. This is what makes Him great. And this is how we need to approach life also, to seek to have a perfect balance of the two. Those that want to accept homosexuality are only coming at it, are only focusing on love, and they're not focusing on the righteousness of God. And therefore, they're in error. We need to have that same, we need to have the balance also in how we approach these, these issues. Look with me uh, at the book of, of Deuteronomy and see chapter 6. See this same thing expressed and how we live out our life. Verse 23. God is speaking through Moses and He is he's looking, he's, he's looking at the life that God has called them to. And uh, he says, Moses says, Then he brought us out from there, meaning Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. And there's the balance. This is how we live our lives as a reflection, as a manifestation of the character of God, that He's perfectly holy, perfectly loving. And 
he expresses that there in verse 24. He commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God. That's righteousness. That's holiness. We are to obey His Word. Why? For our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is His day. That's God's love. He tells us to obey Him because that's what's best for us, and that's what's going to give us the best life here on the earth. That's His love. And because He loves us, He tells us what's right and commands us to do what's right. And because He's perfectly right, then He's going to uh, love us. They, they all work together. They both work together. And our devotion to God is to work together in the same way. We are to obey God's statutes, His Word. We are to uh, live in obedience to Him. Two things, because we know God loves us and He's working for our good. He's given us these things for our good always, that we might live and have a good life here on the earth. But we also do it from the motivation of love that we obey God out of loving Him. And we got to keep both of those in view. We obey out of love. If we obey out of any other motivation, then it becomes off base. And we must keep both together. The overbalance of that is what's called is what the Pharisees did in uh, in the New Testament and coming out of the Old Testament, where they just kept the law out of just trying to earn their salvation and just to uh, have the outward appearance. of just trying to do what is right. And Jesus said, these uh, Pharisees and the Jews, by and large, they, um, they talk about my commandments with their mouth. He said, but their heart is very far from me. And he was saying, they're going through the outward motions, they're trying to do what's right but they're not doing it out of love. They don't really love me. They're not trying to love me, and therefore they don't obey me like they should, and they didn't have both. Jesus then spoke to him and said, you should have you know, kept up with these things. You should have tithed on every little thing, but not ignored the weightier matters of the law, love, justice, and mercy. And this is the way the Bible calls us to live, is that out of love for God, we obey Him. And we obey Him because we know that's the love of God. They both go together every time. And I think that's very helpful for us uh, to be on target of how to live the Christian life. And where we get in trouble is when we take one or the other and be out of balance. And we can be confident that we are on target by doing this, for instance. Uh, that means that because God is holy, He says, as you be holy as I am holy, First Peter, and as obedient children, you obey me. 
And so we should be concerned about, I need to obey what God's word says. And so I'm going to read it so that I know what he wants and I seek to obey it. And I seek to then say no to sin in my life. And I seek to say yes to what God wants me to do. And I make those choices. And if I just look and say, God, what do you really want? You're, you're perfect. What do you want in my life? What do you want me to do? It'll really change our life. It'll make us do some things differently. And you begin to do that, and you will have something happen. You'll begin doing things differently than most Christians do. <clears throat> and uh, because today, most Christians aren't looking at the Word of God and saying, boy, what does God say? What does He want me to do? Oh, He says, have no fellowship with, with the unfruitful works of darkness. So that means, oh, I'm not going to watch that movie because it's full of all kinds of satanic darkness. I'm not going to do that because I'm obeying God. That's what He wants. That's what He's told me to do. So I'm going to do that. And then all the Christians who aren't having those standards, they're going to come to you and say, what are you, who do you think you are? You think you're something special? Man, you're, you're just, you're being too strict. You need to quit worrying about all that stuff. Come on, let's just go. Let's go do this, go do that. Um, and you say, no, I don't think God wants me to do that. And they will then turn to you and say, oh, you're trying to be a Pharisee, aren't you? You're a Pharisee. You're a legalist. And they'll try to label you and throw all those accusations at you, trying to say, you're just obeying, just trying to earn your salvation, aren't you? And you can look at them confidently and you say, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm doing this because I'm wanting to obey God because He loves me and I love Him. You see, then you have a balanced, you're having a balanced approach. They want to try to label you like you're only coming at it from the holiness and you're ignoring love and you're trying to even earn your salvation when you're not even, that's the farthest thing from your mind. But see, they don't want you trying to pursue holiness. Most Christians don't want you doing that today because it makes them feel bad. And they then are, they feel convicted of what they are not obeying in God's word. And so they'll try to stop you living that way. But you can be confident, no matter all the voices around you, both inside the church and outside, you can say, this is God's character qualities. He's holy and He's love. And this is what I'm going to pursue in my life, both together. And so I'm going to pursue holiness and I'm going to seek to obey God, observe His statutes, to fear Him, do what He says, keep His commandments. You know, even Jesus said that in the New Testament. It's not just an Old Testament thing. Jesus said that, He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, you need to look at what His commandments are in the New Testament. And a lot of it's the same as the Old Testament. It's still the same thing. We're to pursue obeying God because that's what's best. And we do it out of love. And we are on target in what God wants us to do. Because the, uh, the, uh, the standard is not what I say or what you say or what that person over here says or what this group over here says because there's a hundred thousand thousands of opinions and positions out there. The answer comes to what does God want? What is He and what does He want in my life? And that is me following what He's like. And He is holy and He is love 
together perfectly, and that's the goal of what we should pursue in our life. And so legalism is not just having standards. <laughs> I mean, you look at that, and based on the common thought, is say, well, if you try to do something that's right, that means you're a legalist. Okay, that means a Christian is not to try to do what's right. So we just should try to do what's wrong all the time. I mean, you just, you see how quickly that gets turned on its head. So what do we do? We are to pursue obedience and, and obeying His commandments, but we do so out of love. Love for God and knowing that God loves us, and that's why He gives us directions in Scripture. And we, we, are, we, we pursue these things out of the motivation of love in pursuing what God wants us to do, and then we are pursuing the character of God who is holiness and love. And God's the foundation of everything. That's why it's so important for us to stay close to who God is and what He can do. All right. Well, um, we talked several weeks on the doctrine of God, and that's so important. I believe, unless God changes my mind next week, we'll move on to our, our next area, which is the Scriptures. And we'll talk about how uh, important the Scriptures are in our life and uh, some important uh, uh, things about that uh, next, next Lord's Day. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are the foundation of life in your holiness, in your love. And you're perfect, and help us to be more like you. Help us to be in line with your holiness and your love, and let it guide us and lead us in the life that you have for us. We praise you in your greatness, and thank you for these truths that you give us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.